welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. Hi everybody, welcome back. Thank you Stacey, thank you Luke. Can you believe how Luke he, how Luke he is? Yeah, I can believe how Luke he is. Can you, can you believe how big he is, is what I was trying to say. He was actually born last year. I know, unbelievable. Oh, well, Father, we pray for all those changes happening in the the Begin household as Stacey uh, returns to work. And Father, we pray your peace and your solutions and your wisdom uh, over John and Stacey and Luke in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege to speak to you about fish and nets, as it's called on the webpage. Uh, It was from Luke chapter 1. Uh, which was the follow-on from Spider and Cobwebs. And uh, I'm carrying on uh, in Luke 5 there today. Um, I really want to just get jump straight into the story. So just a reminder, the disciples had been called out by, after Jesus had been preaching. He said to the disciples, you know, why don't you go out and do a bit more fishing? And of course, that was a terrible idea. It was daytime. They'd just cleaned all the nets uh, and they were going to have to go back out again. But they do, as Jesus says, they haul in a great number of fish. Uh, So many, they have to get their uh, friends to come and help in another boat because there's so many fish coming in. He even says there were so many, the boats are beginning to sink. The the church, which of which this is a a sort of beginning picture of, is, is designed to be fruitful. That's how Jesus created actually all of creation to be fruitful right from the very beginning. But now in the the age that we live in, the the most fruitful people should be the church. Not just in the spiritual things, but in everything. Because God doesn't distinguish between spiritual and secular. If we are in business, we'll flourish in our business. If we are in education, to flourish in education. If we bring up a family, to flourish in bringing up our family as we depend on him. (coughs) Now, Simon Peter's reaction is one of the common problems of us as human beings. Uh, And what Simon, when he sees this, he has a deeper revelation. Now remember, he'd been hanging around Jesus. They were associates of Jesus. Jesus wasn't a surprise to them. They knew who he was. They'd probably even potentially shared meals with them. They'd certainly listened to his teaching, the way we see them engaging, they knew one another, but something to do with what's just happened causes Peter to realise, hang on a minute, there's more to this. And he has another revelation that this is God or Jesus is holy or sent from God. Later on, he says, you are the son of God. So he hasn't got the fullness of that, but there's something that is revealed because he says, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And there we have one of the problem, problems of humankind. You see, the thing with God is he's holy, he's righteous, he's very, very anointed. Since anointing means to be filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit to be on you, God is the ultimate and the anointed person, isn't he? And, and so when we encounter that as human beings, when you have that revelation, often our reaction is, oh, fear. Okay, fear of God. Now, we know who Jesus is. Peter knows who Jesus is. Even in this, in this, what's going on right here, we know that there is nothing in Jesus that's saying to Peter, get away from me, you sinner. There's nothing at all. 
The whole narrative, the whole story of God from Genesis to Revelation is one of God sending himself into the world to bring reconciliation between humankind and himself. Everything is about bringing us back to God, not removing us from God. Everything, the cross, the whole central piece of the entire Bible is the cross because on the cross, the price was prayed. And that's why Jesus uh, cried out, it is finished. It was done. The ultimate act that enabled humankind to live in daily friendship, reconciliation, walking with Jesus was done. And the, the cross is outside time. So it, it's for all time, in all places, at all time, because God himself is outside of time. It wasn't something that's happened. It's something that is there forever. He is the beginning and the end. So at this point, when Peter says, get away from me, Lord, he's saying, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I shouldn't be with you. And this is one of the problems that we still can have as Christians, particularly when we know, oh, I haven't been living up to the standard God called me. Do we want to live in that place? No. Do we know there's a call to be righteous and holy upon us? Yes. Should we just compromise and accept to so-and-so life? No. But when it goes wrong, when we don't match up, when we haven't had a quiet time, when we haven't got a word from God, our temptation can be, get away from me, Lord. You're too holy and I'm not. And the Lord says, I am saying the opposite. The complete opposite. I'm saying, come to me. Because it's not to do with you, it's not to do with Peter's failure in this story. It's not to do with Paul Abel's failure. It's to do with Jesus' success. That's the only thing that means I can consider myself, because I am made so, holy. Holy, righteous, anointed, perfect, complete in God. Do I live up to that? Oh boy, no. But is it a position I've been placed in? Is it something I can be daily learning to live in more and more? Absolutely. But there should never, ever be a point where I need to think I can't go into God's presence. Because the cross is bigger than you. Jesus is bigger than you. You know, one of the sad things is we even do this with not just even with God. We can do it with, uh, with, with others. It, it's a common feature that, that happens with, with people who are church leaders where we feel like, oh, they're on a different level to us. They're on a different plane to us. Well, they may be walking with God more closely than you are, but they're not more holy if you're both forgiven by Jesus. But we can feel like, oh, I can't be in, I can't, you know, I shouldn't be in touch or they're in a, you know, no wonder they're doing all right. We're all just human beings and we don't need to be afraid of God and we don't need to be afraid even of one another that creeps in. You know, because sometimes when we've done something wrong or we failed or we haven't lived up to even what we thought, because remember, God's not disillusioned with you because he had no illusions in the first place. He's not disappointed in you because he understood exactly what you were going to do anyway. 
But we can be fearful of God or we can be fearful of those who represent God, who could be a friend. You know, we know our friend's been praying and worshipping and seems to be doing by God, well in, in God, and we didn't. So we subtly cut off a few bit of contacts, uh, contacts because we feel like to contact them, it would be a bit like, oh, like Peter here, get away from me. Now, we're probably not going to express it like that, but it's amazing if you think about it sometimes, that's what's going on inside. I don't want to be near you because, and that is completely a lie. You are never in a place where you're not worthy to be with another human being. And you're never in a place when you're not worthy to be with God. Because none of us have worth in our own actions, our own deeds, our own family, our own background, our own jobs, our own whatever we do. Our worth comes from, I have been called by Christ and I am saved by him. I am a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And even if you aren't saved... Every single person on the planet is a creation of God. And when God looked at creation, he said, it is good. And you say, yeah, but there was the fall. Yes, but it's still God's creation. Corrupted, maybe. But it's still God's creation. And he wants to bring it back to that place. And he will. He's coming again. He's coming again. We sometimes forget that. I mean, I know you can get caught up in that. It's, it's funny how we use things to keep us away from God. I've even seen people use scripture to keep them away from God. You say, how on earth? Surely that the Bible is good. <laughs> of course it's good. But if you use the teaching of the Bible only, you can be distracted that this is about a relationship. You can get so caught up in the knowledge and the, and the understanding of it that you miss the point that this is to bring you to God. This is to not just to know about this book, it's to know the Word and have a relationship with the living Word who is Jesus Christ and so be reconciled to the Father and full of the Holy Spirit. It can become almost the same thing. We, you get so lost in that as, as a pushing away from God. You, you, you get a little bit distance from God. I'm not saying don't read the Word and don't, don't study the Bible. Of course I'm not. I'm just saying that sometimes it's amazing what we can put in place that becomes there instead of the first calling of us, which is to follow and be with Jesus. You know, there's so many, you, people can get caught up in different topics so much. They're caught up, they're so caught up in the, some of the more strange ideas and, and testimonies. They put aside the ones that are actually a lot easier to understand. You know, you can read the Gospel of John or the, any of the Gospels and then think that you're moving on into greater things when you read the letters. And a lot of people will tell you the deepest book of the Bible is Revelation. The deepest book of the Bible, well, it's all the Bible really, but it's the Gospels because that's the revelation of Christ. And when you've been walking with God, you don't move on to Revelation and leave behind John, the Gospel of John, They're both written by John. Buster Colin, who's in his 80s, the founder of Kingdom Faith, his favourite book, even after all these years of walking with God, is still the Gospel of John. Does he know Revelation? Absolutely. But he still, I mean, he particularly loves like 
chapters 15, 16, 17 of the Gospel of John, and he reads them again and again and again, and, and it's continuously getting something fresh from that. But I've known people get so into the book of Revelation that it takes them away from God because there's a lot of strange things that we don't fully understand in it. Nobody does. And if somebody tells you they understand everything, they're probably not actually, it's probably not true. And instead of bringing you to God, you get lost in some of the weirder things. I mean, the book of Revelation is is about that we have a relationship with God and he's coming back in its most fundamental form. It's not about the road layout of Washington or what's on a dollar bill and all the other many conspiracy theories that get tagged onto that. Yes, know your scripture. Know your scripture well. But when you're getting lost in Revelation, get back in the Gospels. It's, it's not the Bible that we don't understand that causes us problem. It's, it's the Bible we do understand. Because the Bible we do understand is always calling us to a higher level of living. And actually, I even go as far to say this. If you're a little bit offended if I just talk about, oh, looking up things on YouTube about the book of Revelation, and, and it's probably you, that's because you're already going too far. Because I'm only saying, get close to Jesus. That's all I'm saying. Keep close to Jesus because it, can, it becomes like Peter here. It can be sort of a bit pushed away from others or you feel you've got a, a bit more knowledge than others. If we have a greater knowledge of the Bible, okay, that means we have a greater revelation of the Word. The Word is Christ. So if we have a greater revelation of the Word, we will be even better at loving others and serving others and seeing the gospel lived out. And if we're lost in some esoteric knowledge, we are not getting closer to Jesus. In fact, we're being pushed away and the enemy is snuck in. And you're distancing yourself. We want to get right back in a place with Jesus. Whether you consider yourself the worst sinner or the holiest saint, and the truth is you are a holy saint in Christ We have a place right with Jesus. And that's what happens here. It's then what happens is you see the same thing. Luke is, as he's putting together these accounts of what happened, he's being very clear to show that it's about being reconciled to Jesus again and again. The man with leprosy and the the man who is paralysed. It's all about being reconciled to Jesus. It's all getting back to this story where Peter said, get away from me. And then Luke starts to show that is the opposite of what God wants. Yes, he's holy. Yes, he's righteous. And sometimes we meet somebody who's on fire for God and the anointing can be on them, that the same fear that came on Peter can come on us. That fear if we react as I want to be apart from God, is not healthy. The fear of God that the Bible talks about actually draws us to Him, not pushes us away. Fear of God is awe, it's respect. It's, it's, the fear of God is He is so amazing and despite everything, He loves me. That's the fear of God. And then you realise what he's done for you. And the fear of God is like a a fear of not fulfilling everything that he's called you to do. You just want to live your life for him. The fear propels you to serving God. The fear propels you to love others. The fear propels you to be connected with others. The fear of God 
The fear that the enemy brings in pushes you away from others. And he's so subtle. The heart, it says, is wicked and deceitful over and above all things because the enemy can whisper into that heart and we can just respond to all kinds of things. And slowly, 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 usually, push us away from the presence of God. And the enemy's hoping that we won't notice. And in that place of being pushed away, we're more likely to get offended at what somebody else has done. We're more likely to be irritated. We're more likely to have a host of other things going on. And it's because we've let go of Jesus when we're supposed to let go of the things that keep us away from Jesus. So, I am a sinful man, says Peter. But Jesus says to Peter, or Simon Peter, don't be afraid. Now, can you see again, there's these two sorts of fear. That, and people can get so confused about this. We, we should be fearing God. Yes, but not fear. Ah, it's gone. It's the fear that draws us to God. Any fear that pushes away from us away from God is either from the enemy or it's our own flesh and a lack of understanding of what Jesus has done for us and who God is. Because he's the opposite. He is the opposite. And that's what's going on in this very, very short account that we're just looking at here to remind us to go to Jesus, whatever. Do you feel sick today? Go to Jesus. Do you feel angry today? Go to Jesus. Have you got 52 people you haven't forgiven? Go to Jesus. If, are you feeling really angry and hateful and hate the world? Go to Jesus. Do you, do you, do you oh, I don't know. Do you lost lots of bad things? Insert your own thing here. Go to Jesus. <laughs> Come on, come on, church. It's him, it's him, it's him, it's him. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. God says this again and again and again and again and again and again and again in the Bible to people he meets from the Old Testament to the New. Don't be afraid. Do you feel afraid? If you're afraid, God just says, don't be, you don't need to be. It's okay. I'm here to bring you back to me. Not push you away because you're a sinner. I've died that you can be washed clean. Washed with the blood of the lamb, as we say. So that you can walk with me. So here's Simon. He's reluctantly, and let's face it, it was pretty reluctant, Reluctantly done what Jesus has said to him. He's been quite rude in the way he said it. You, if you read it, you can see, you know, he said, well, because you've said it, we'll do it. It wasn't a like, yes, Lord, was it? It was, oh, all right then, you know, because it's you. So he hasn't exactly honoured God in what he's done. And, uh, but he did do it. And then he's, he's in fear of Jesus and he's telling him, get away from me. I mean, that again, it's not the most respectful thing to say to God, is it? Get away from me or I'm going to get away from you either way around. And Jesus basically tells him what he's going to be doing in the primary call on his life at this moment. Isn't that incredible? At this low point 
of Peter really in mostly failure, Jesus still speaks the truth over him and says, Peter, and this it becomes a word for all those who follow Jesus. But here it's being spoken right over Peter. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be you will fish for people, a fisher for men, in the a fisher of men in the old translations. And their response at this point shows that something is happening, something is going on, something is changing. And this exact same call is on us right now. If you're watching this and you don't know Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to you today. If you do know Jesus, this is Jesus speaking to you today. It's actually a word, it's a now word for us all to consider. It's not me putting something on you. I'm really basically just reading scripture, expanding on it, which is what you do when you preach, and giving the Holy Spirit room to speak to different people. To speak to Mike, who's over there. To speak to Ellis, who's on a sofa over there. Or Jared or Brian. For the Holy Spirit to have an opportunity to speak to you through the word. Because what the enemy likes to do then is he comes back in with this wrong fear and says, Paul is having a go at you. Paul is specifically getting at you. Whoever's speaking, the enemy loves to use this again and again. And so you look at the person and think, oh yeah, they're just having a go at me. And you miss what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you and is saying to you, which will bring you freedom. How many of you know the enemy doesn't want you to live in the freedom that Christ has won for you? How many know that he doesn't leave you alone? He's always whispering lies and deception to stop you living in the glory that God has called you to. Always. We live in a world that's fallen. We have the life of God. We have the love of God. We have the glory of God. And we have the sufferings of God. That's what we live in. And the enemy will use any of those if he can corrupt them for us to pull us back Away from the presence. What did they do? They pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything, and followed him. So they put their boats on the beach. That's a, that's a, that's a good word for those of us that most of probably were watching who are near a beach because you live in Scarborough or Hummonby or this local area. But wherever you are, It's time to leave the boats on the beach. It's it's the things that hold us back. They can be actual things, or they can be ideas in our mind, or they could be a particular sort of strand of teaching, even supposedly based in the Bible, that you realize is pushing you away from other people. If you're studying the Bible to get to know the word, and you find yourself becoming more and more isolated, usually because you've got a special revelation, that's not God. If you're becoming a smaller and smaller group and not connecting with others that know Jesus, even if they haven't got your special revelation, it's not God. There's something going wrong in the middle of it. I'm not saying that's happening. It's probably happening to very few. But it's a warning for now and a warning for moving on. If any time you find yourself disconnecting from those you've walked with because of a specific teaching, and you're getting into a smaller and smaller little group except for your online connection, it's not Jesus. Honestly, it's not. 
the word causes us to want to connect more. Because everybody around you who knows Jesus is a living embodiment of Jesus. And you know, when we find people irritating, that's us. I know when I find people irritating, it's me that's the problem, not the person. And I know there's some people whose behavior could be classified as irritating. But being irritated is my problem. Or being annoyed is my problem to deal with, with God. Not to run away from God, but to go to God. Change my heart, God. I'm sorry. You love that person. I obviously do not love them enough. Change me. And sometimes it's hard. But it's time to leave these things on. It's time to put the boats on the shore. They left everything and followed him. The old King James Version says they forsook all and followed him. Forsook all. It's not really a word we use very much, is it? But actually, it's a little bit better than just left. Because the word is a little bit more than just left. When um, Kate and I moved to Horsham, so we were living in Leicestershire, and we gave up our jobs. I was uh, a deputy head, been a head teacher. Kate was a PA. And we were giving up our jobs to go to college in Horsham, Roffey Bible College with Kingdom Faith. And we were driving down, and uh, I think it was the first Sunday. And my, my, some of my, well, Kate's nodding at the back. And our very first Sunday, we got this message from Pastor Paul Taylor, who's one of the elders in Horsham in those days, about the, the, and he kept repeating this, they forsook all. But the way he said it with his accent, all I could keep hearing was they forsook all. And I was thinking of all the forsookals, this was what, how my mind works, all the forsookals we'd brought from uh, Balston in Leicestershire, all the way down uh, to Horsham, because the size of our removal lorry, we've never had one that big since, and we didn't think we had that much, but we managed to fill it. And, uh, you know, and, and then we had cars full of stuff. I think, I think Kate was still working in those days, so I went down with the moving van with the two boys, which must have meant we went in the Morris Minor, which would have been an adventure in the Morris Minor at the best of times. And I'm pretty sure Tom had a fish bowl on his lap with a goldfish swimming in it because that was what it was like. But we had all this stuff following us, and we arrived at this house in Horsham where the, uh, to, to rent, uh, and the previous people were just thinking about getting up for breakfast. And we got this enormous lorry waiting, and, and, and removal people marching up and down, as only removal people can do when they're impatient, and understandably so. I don't think it looks much like that, but I never said I was good at impressions. They're, they're like huffing and puffing and saying, you've got to get them out. So I'm in the house saying, look, you've got to leave. And she says, oh, we're just going to have breakfast and do the washing. And she's hanging up the washing. And as she's hanging up the washing, I'm taking it back off the line and putting it in a box wet. I'm saying, no, I'm sorry, you've got to leave. <laughs> they did leave, praise God. Um, but it was, it, was, it was a situation. And eventually we were able to unload all these fascicles on the, on the lorry and, and fill this house. I'm not really sure how we managed to fill it. It was a bigger house than the one we had, but it, it seemed pretty full. All this stuff, uh, uh, so much stuff. We had fish and chips for tea, me and the boys, and uh, I couldn't find the knives and forks. We searched so many boxes, just opened them up. Where are the knives and forks? Oddly enough, they were selling the same drawer that they'd been in when they were in the kitchen because that bit of kitchen furniture had come with us. So they were in exactly the same place they'd always been and in fact still are. 
22, 23 years later, they're still in that same drawer. But uh, we couldn't find them, which Kate found most amusing when she turned up and sorted us out um, after we'd put everything everywhere. Very terrifying time arranging a new house without your wife being there at the time because she's working, thinking she might not like this. <laughs> but we had all these fasukles. And I remember just listening to this thing by Paul Taylor thinking we've got an awful lot of fasukles. It was good for us when we moved to Scarborough and then we moved from Deepdale on, in Scarborough to the little house in Old Town we have now because we finally got rid of a lot of fasukles. And Kate's just going, yes, at the back. I'm a bit of a hoarder at the best of times. And when you live in a house like ours, where you don't have an attic, you don't really have cupboards to speak of, um, you can't have a lot of extra fasukles. You can't even have a lot of extra furniture. So there can be physical stuff we just need to let go of. You know, the stuff we hang on because we've just had it for years. But the boats on the beach are much more than that. This represented for them, these fasukles, these boats on the beach, their whole lives, really. They were brought up to be fishermen. They weren't trained to be disciples following a rabbi, a teacher. But they left them. I mean... We don't need to get overly romantic about it. They obviously didn't burn them or destroy them because uh, after Jesus had died, they go back to their fasukles for a while. Don't they? they go back fishing on the lake. And what does Jesus do? I've had enough of that lot. I've just died for you. I'm back in heaven and now you're fishing again. We've just had three and a half years of walking together and you're fishing again. He didn't do that, did he? What did he do? He cooked the fish on a barbecue on the beach that they could sit down and eat together. And he reminded them, probably of this day. Remember that? You've forsaken this. And it is. That's why I said it's for us as Christians and it's for us whether you're not a Christian or not. There's always this call that comes from Jesus to come and follow him. And whenever we follow him, there's always forsukles. There's always things we need to let go of. Sometimes it's a way we understand something. Sometimes God calls us from one place to another. Sometimes It's about how God calls us to live. You know, if... If you're coming to Christ and you're somebody that regularly gets drunk, it's t- you've got to give that up. That's a fusukle. It doesn't do you any good. But it could be gossip. It could be overeating. It could be chalk ices, for goodness sake. All these things. And it's between the Holy Spirit and us, which is what I was saying earlier. It can even be... And that's just why I was using this illustration because it, it can feel like an extreme one. It can even be that we've really got hooked into a particular kind of teaching and we realize actually over time this is actually taking me away from other Christians and so actually away from God. We want to be connecting with people. Let's just have a little, little look at this word for, forsook for a minute or to forsake. Because the, uh, the modern translation here, it says they left everything. And the word, aphiemi, if you want to know what it actually is in Greek, it, it does mean to leave. It does mean to forsake. It's this idea of dismissing or letting go. 
It means relinquishing your power over something to another. Your control, your possession, you're letting it go. But the word also means escape, because even as we let go of these things, we actually escape from them. And they can be things that are, you know, definitely sinful, or just things that cause us to separate from God. And it's all about reconciliation and connection with God. It's the same, it, you, with, with the same word is used to let go of debts or offences or to forgive people. You forsake it. Because if we've taken offence at somebody, and Mike's over here, I'll pick on Mike. Let's say I've taken great offence at Mike, okay? He's done something, and let's say it was really wrong, offensive, perhaps it really hurt me physically, mentally, who knows? He never has because he's nice, but just assume he did. All right? Or, you know, what happens with a lot of offenses, the person we think we're offended at doesn't even know. They just don't know they did it. That can happen too, can't it? So that's happened with Mike. I've taken offense. What I've done is I've taken, let's use this glass, I've taken hold of it. This is mine. This is my offense. And it becomes part of who I am over time. It becomes part of my identity. Part of my identity is I don't like that guy because of what they did. In communities and families, this can become so embedded, people can't even remember what caused the issue in the first place because it's just become internal. So we have to let go. This is what forgiveness is. It's letting go so that it's not part of us. In some ways, forgiving another person is quite selfish because it actually does us a lot of good. I mean, if I'd taken all this offence at Mike and he, he didn't actually know he'd ever caused it, you know, the one, what, what, you know one, sometimes one of the worst things we can do, sometimes we need to do this, but we don't always need to do this. I, and I go up to Mike and say, you really offended me. I, I, just, I just heap a load of stuff on him and he didn't even know. You know, forgiving somebody is not dumping stuff on the, on the person. There could be, you, there could be very, everybody likes to leap to the worst thing, don't they, when we talk about forgiving? You know, somebody who's been sexually abused as a child, have they got to forgive their abuser? Why do we leap to that when we are offended by so many little things that we're supposed to forgive? Because we're trying to protect the little things, that's mine, by this big thing. We talk about the big thing or a hypothetical situation so that we don't actually end up walking with God at all. It, it kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the big things so I don't have to repent. It's like the woman at the well, marvellous story, Jesus sitting next to her. What does she try to do as she feels a bit of conviction coming upon us? Let's have a discussion about worship. You believe worship should be on, in Jerusalem, but we believe we should worship God on the mountain. It's something that doesn't directly affect her because she can feel something about, oh, I've got to change my behaviour. I've got to let go of the way I've been living. Let's have a theoretical, theological discussion which doesn't affect me in any way whatsoever. And, oh, boy, have I done that. I bet you have too. It's letting go. It's remo- it doesn't, it, because it, it's just letting it go. In, 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 and what happens 
when we are forgiven by God, is the sin is literally removed from us. It doesn't disregard the sin. It doesn't say that what happened was nothing. And this is where we do get to that really difficult, hard case. It does, when you forgive somebody that has genuinely done something awful, it doesn't say it didn't matter. It never says that. There may still need to be justice, for example. But it's trying to enable you to be free of that abuser. And it's not just a, oh, the preacher says I've got to forgive them, so I forgive them. Sometimes these things, we have to grow and learn and step into them as we learn and get greater revelation and healing from God. Don't think I'm saying, oh, you need to forgive them or you're not acceptable, because this whole message is about how you are acceptable. You know, even if, our, if we're carrying a lot of unforgiveness, what happens is it, it, it's like building a cage around that makes it difficult to relate to God. But God's still there for you. He's not rejecting you. Doesn't deny what he did at the cross. So God removes sin from us as human beings so that we are not guilty and not under the power of those sins. All sin actually controls you. Now, most people get into sin because they like it and it's enjoyable. But the more you, you, more you get into something that is destructive because it's not something that God has given to us to do, the more it actually controls us and we feel compelled to do it. And God's forgiveness comes in to break that. That's what it does. But it's the same as the word that Jesus uses when he... When, well, it's the same, sorry, as the word that Luke uses when he says they pulled up their boats on shore, they forsook all or they left everything and followed him. And the last bit, just as we finish, is of course, it's not just a question of letting go, but it's a question of following. They didn't forsake all and do nothing. They came alongside Jesus. The word followed in the Greek, it means to go with. It's, it, that you could even... Explain it as a continuous friendship, a continuous fellowship. We leave the boats on the beach so that we can stick with Jesus. Because can you imagine, just create a picture in your mind of the fishermen trying to drag their boats around Israel while they follow Jesus. But that's what we often try to do as Christians. We just try to pull everything we've got along with us. And then we wonder why it could be such a struggle. Everything we give up, God will repay with more. Not necessarily identical, but you will be more... We can't be more generous than God. Whatever we give up for God, including sin, he will bless us even more because we've stepped into another level of freedom and escape. You know, maybe you start to smoke something when you're under pressure and it really helps you because you feel not so under pressure. You know, you like the feeling that smoking that particular drug gives you. But ultimately, you'll be controlled by it because every time you get back into that situation, you will need it. And of course, as we know, it can even grow into worse and worse things. So oh, I'm fine. It, 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 I, I, I'm controlling it. It's, it's with me. No, you're not controlling it because you're still doing it. If you were truly controlling it, you could say no. And so often you, we can't when we're stuck to something that we're addicted to. But in Christ we can. That's the escape. 
That's the leaving the boat on the beach. And yet, sometimes you might go back and start fishing again, just like the disciples did. And Jesus will make you a barbecue and say, come on, we've got something else to do. You need, let's walk in continuous friendship, in continuous fellowship. Instead of fellowshipping with whatever it is, come fellowship with Jesus. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. And this word's to all of us. Then Jesus said to the people of Kingdom Faith Yorkshire and to those watching this broadcast as the word was read, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they poured up their boats on the shore, left everything, forsook all, and followed him. Let's have continuous friendship with Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Well, praise God. Let's just pray for a minute, can we? Just as we finish. Particularly if you want to leave your boats on the beach. If you aren't sure what your boats are or what I'm talking about, ask the Holy Spirit to show you your boats on the beach. Because believe me, pulling a fishing boat around the land is not going to be a pleasant experience for anyone. So we're going to pray. And this could be your first time of praying and accepting Jesus, or it could be your 13th or even more time. That doesn't matter. This is a question of deciding at this moment, in this hour, at this time, yes, I will follow Jesus because he says, come, follow me. Let's walk in continuous friendship. So let's pray. Father God, we come before you now to say thank you for choosing me. Thank you that you called me. Thank you that I've had exactly the same experience as Peter with you saying you are called to be a fisher of people because we all are whatever we're called to do, however we work that out. Even if we actually are called to be a fisherman on the sea here in Scarborough, we're also called to be fishers of people, to connect with people, to show them the love of God. So, Father, I repent of not leaving everything behind because I didn't trust you enough. I repent of trying to solve everything myself. And I repent of being afraid to just go for it. And Lord Jesus, I pray now that I will rely on you for every step. I won't look to my own resources, but I'll look to that that you have given me and supplied to me so that everything that I do brings glory to Jesus and not glory to me. Father, may I retire in the sense of Jesus is enhanced. May people see Jesus, not me. And Lord, I give my life to follow you and to be a follower of Jesus. And I know that you'll enable that to happen by your Holy Spirit. Amen. If you just prayed that for the first time, you've actually just become a Christian. Well done.
congratulations. Let the adventure begin. If you have contact us, we can send you some stuff that will help you in those early days to do that walk. And you can check out, um, if you go to our website, kingdomfaithyorkshire.com, you'll see there's a, a No Jesus banner. Click on that. There's loads of information there about walking with Jesus. Enjoy the adventure. And for everybody else, praise God we've left the boats on the beach. <laughs> Amen. See you all soon. God bless you. Bye. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.